Ezra in Genesis chapter 2. I know most of us were here this morning, but we have some that were not, and you're here tonight. And I want to talk about a, a message the Lord put on my heart that's kind of heavy, but it's very important, and, I'm, and, and especially in the days we're living in. And so I was talking this morning about a sexually perverse generation that we live in. And uh, I went on to say after that, if you're taking notes, to write down the sinning against the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to get into that tonight and talk about what that means. Because God, God has something that's very, very dear to him. And that is uh, relationships and sex. I know we have some kids in here tonight. Parents, you can go home and talk about it. It might be that time. Amen. For the birds and the bees. But... I mentioned this morning that when, when this kind of stuff gets talked about and someone might say in church, oh, how can we mention that? Well, your kids are going to hear it from somebody. And they're going to hear it on TV. They're going to hear it from the news. They're going to hear it from a teacher. They're going to hear it from a kid at church, at school, and you want them to hear it right. So this is a good place to talk about it. And we're being careful to not be too explicit. But the reason I thought about preaching about this today and got into it this morning was um, Isaiah 5.20 says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light, light for darkness, and who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. So we live in a generation that's calling things that are good bad, things that are bad good. That's the generation we live in. That, that truly is uh, where we're at. But I, as I said this morning, it's interesting that even though we're thousands of years removed even from Jesus and several thousand more removed from the Old Testament and the book of Isaiah that wrote that, that things are not that different today as they were back then. Sin is still sin. What's wrong is still wrong and what's right is still right. Even though the world tries to change that. Tries to change the barometer or the thermostat of what is wrong or what is right. But how many know right is right and wrong is wrong. Sin is sin. Holiness is holiness. Amen. Good is good and bad is bad. And so as a church, as believers, we need to call it that way. And as you're looking at Genesis 2, I guess I'll quickly tell the story this, tonight for those that weren't here this morning, that were in Sunday school, that were in nursery, that weren't here, uh, was watching a program uh, that I had been interested of hearing uh, called The Preacher's LLA. And I said, do not go watch that, please. Don't waste your time. It's, it's not worth your time. But it is something that's on TV, some cable station. I don't know what station it's on. Uh, hopefully nobody shouts that out which one it is. And they've been watching it. But I, say, I just, and I really now, looking back, felt like I was led by the Spirit to watch it, see what it was about. Watched a few minutes and, you know, grabbed the thing and fast forward and moved around and found a spot where uh, uh, a guy who's a minister today and a singer and a preacher and a pastor... Um, all in parentheses, uh, serving God, has fallen, has had an affair, left his wife, got married with the new one, had babies with her, have two kids now together. He's continuing to minister. I believe in redemption. I believe in restoration. Um, and God, that's between him and God. Amen. But in this segment, he meets this old friend from Detroit. And they're talking in the playing pool. And they're having a conversation. And the guy says, hey, how, how you been? It's all been good. And he says, um, how, do you have kids? And he says, no, I don't have kids. And he goes, well, I got kids, and I really enjoy it. And the other guy goes, he says, you don't have kids? And he goes, no, as a matter of fact, I'm not even married. And he said, as a matter of fact, I've never been on a date. I've never kissed a girl. And the guy, the thing that caused me to talk about this today was this Christian preacher, minister, singer, was shocked when that guy said, that he was a virgin. He was shocked. 
Instead of saying, wow, or under, that being the status quo, he was shocked as a minister, not as a, not as a world. I would expect a worldly person to be that way, but not a preacher, not a pastor, not a minister, not a singer, that he was shocked. And he was shocked to an extent of not just, wow, that's amazing, like I was. I got, I got a shock factor of amazement and, and, and respect. His was, what's wrong with you? That's what came across from this guy. What is wrong with you? You're a virgin at 49? The guy asked him, how old are you? He said, I'm 49 years old. And for one, I said this morning, that gained some serious respect for me. 49 years old, never been on a date, never kissed a girl, and is a virgin. Now, what's sad, let me tell you what's sad about that today, is that even, in, even here in church, that seems weird. That seems weird. Shouldn't be that way, because it's always been God's way. But that would seem weird to church people today in the generation we live in, in a perverse generation. Weird. You've never kissed a person. You've never had sex with that person. You've never been on a date because of today. It's dating and it's getting to know people and, and you just date and you just do and you just go and you just kiss and you just touch and you whatever. And no one even thinks about it. There's no teaching on this. And we teach in this in this church and in this fellowship to court to get to know people in public. To not be alone in private places. To get to know a person, know who they are. And, and, and then as things progress, you do things in a certain way. And listen, there's nothing wrong. You get, let, me get, let me tell you something. You're going to learn how to kiss. It's not hard. You'll learn. You don't have to practice before. That sounds crazy. Are you kidding me? Come on, at least to practice. You're going to get practice. Okay? On all those things, but this generation has twisted these things, and this is something that needs to be taught today. And listen, I said this morning, there's a lot of us here who are beyond that place. We're already married even, or whatever, or you're not married and you've made mistakes, or you're here and you're young and you still have a chance to do it right. That's what we're praying for, is for you today that could still do it right. Those of you that are on a valley of decision tonight, amen, that would say, should I keep myself pure? Should I hold? Should I wait for marriage? We have a purity. We didn't do it this year, but a lot of us have it already. Uh, we have purity rings on our teenagers. My daughters both have rings on their fingers that is like a wedding ring. And my wife and I did a, a cer ceremony here at church, but also individually with them. And we sat them down and we said, this is a ring to help you wait until marriage. Amen. Amen. To wait until marriage. Amen. Amen. And what's crazy is the reason I say this is we're in a generation where that seems weird. Right. Now, it's okay for it to seem weird outside the church, but it shouldn't seem weird in the church. Amen. It shouldn't be weird. It should be expected. Amen. I remember, and this is where I say that even this generation has gotten so bad and because of media. I noticed that on media. I remember, still, I'm only 40, and I remember in high school 20 years ago that if a woman walked around and she was sleeping around a lot, she was called a slut. Right. That was the word when I was in school. Okay? Some of y'all right remember those days. Today, if you're not sleeping around, you're weird. Right. You're looked down on if you're a virgin today. It's the exact opposite as it was back then. And I know, I mean, you'd hear about, oh, that person, she sleeps around with everybody. Oh, that person, he sleeps around with everybody. And that was the bad thing. Now it's the opposite. Oh, that person, oh, they're, they're a virgin. They haven't, they haven't had sex yet. They haven't been with anybody yet. It's an exact opposite. And that's what Isaiah says. Call evil good and good evil. So I want to talk tonight a little bit about the scriptures. Go to Genesis 2 because I want to read this only thing from this morning and then get on to some new stuff tonight. Just to define once again 
biblically what God says in his word is permitted by God when it comes to sex and when it comes to relationships, okay? And uh, I don't know if there, there's really not another word I can use for that. I know that that word is not in the Bible. Uh, in the Old Testament, that word, S-E-X, it is in the New. It is later, but you're going to hear it, like I said, everywhere else. So Genesis chapter 2, look at 18 real quick. And the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone, and I will make a helper comparable to him. And then verse 21, then, sorry, verse 21, and the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. He took one of his ribs, closed up the flesh in its place, and the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And so notice there that God took a man, and from man he made a woman. And he brought her to the man, okay? And he says, now this is bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. So she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. And here's the sign of marriage in God's plan in Genesis chapter 2 in the very beginning. Verse 24, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. And they shall become one flesh. Lord, for the next few minutes, anoint your word. Anoint my words, God. Let them come out in the right way. Let spirits receive them, that there be no resistance. Let the devil not lie and deceive tonight. And let there be healing in this place, Father, I pray, in the name of Jesus. Amen. So we see right here something very simple, very simple that obviously for us to procreate, for us to continue to be fruitful and multiply, there has to be a relationship of that in, in a couple. But God defines what that is right here in the Bible. He defines very clearly it is a man and a woman. One man and one woman. Okay, It's very clear there. We talked about that. I'm not going to get into that as much tonight. But it's very clear that, it's, that, that is God's definition. Today, it's, it's, it's a humongous deal worldwide, in the government, in the schools, all over the place. What is marriage? What's defined as marriage? That's been changed. That's been manipulated. But the Bible still says that marriage is between one man and one woman. And they become one flesh. And that is God's plan for marriage. Thus says the Lord, not us, the Lord. And so that won't change and we must defend that. We must, no matter what happens, we must defend that. And you can put a period and an exclamation point behind that. That's God's definition for marriage. But because we live in a perverse generation, I'd ask you to go to 1 Corinthians tonight. Because we live in a perverse generation, these things have been changed. And I, know, I told you it's not new. If you go back to the Old Testament, the first thing of homosexuality was in Genesis 19. Way back in the beginning. It started a trend of perversion all throughout the Bible. And, and basically it comes down to this is your body, this is your life. And God gives you a choice what you want to do with it. I believe that the scriptures are going to show us and show us tonight that this body is God's. That before I knew the Lord, listen, I can do whatever I want. I can act a fool. I can go where I want, do what I want, say what I want. And I'm going to pay for it, but I'm still me and I can do what I want. But when I ask Jesus to come into my life, I am no longer my own. I've been bought with a price. I've been bought with the blood of Jesus. I'm a slave to him and this body is no longer mine. Amen. Now get this, get this straight as we move forward in this tonight. The Bible says very clearly sin is good for a season. Don't act tonight like you haven't done something wrong before and enjoyed it. Don't be super spiritual and act like sin can't be fun. It is be real. 
And when it comes to these things right here, there can be some enjoyment and some fulfillment in it, but it's fake and it's, and it's, and it's short-lived and it's got consequences. And it's not God if it's outside of that parameter. Period. And you're always going to end up being empty afterwards because it goes back to that same thing. What am I trying to fill my life with? What am I trying to fill the void with? We mentioned that last week. We talked about that. And this area is an area where many people try to fill that void through relationships. Amen. And relationships. I got, I got to have somebody make me feel good. I got to have somebody make me feel like I, I mean something or I'm somebody. And, 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 and we find it sometimes in, in relationships. And listen, I thank God for some healing that happened this morning. Amen. Some healing took place in this service this morning with some people who had some rough pasts. And I mentioned that this morning and I'll mention it again tonight. Anything you did tonight before this, this, this service, before tonight, going backwards is forgiven tonight when you confess it. And tonight you can start over and you can go forward. Amen. If you're listening online, wherever you hear this, wherever you get this message, if you tell somebody about it, the great thing about God's grace is today's a new day. Amen. And there's no condemnation in you tonight. You cannot go back and unscramble those scrambled eggs. You made mistakes. They're done. They're over with. Start new. Amen. It's only bad when you hear the truth and don't do anything with it. And there's many things that we don't know from the scriptures. Many people in here tonight are new Christians and everything that's being preached is new to you. No one's ever told you these things were a sin. No one's ever told you that you had to give money to God. No one's ever told you you're supposed to pray. None of these things. It's all new. And so sometimes a revelation comes out of the scriptures and we go, man, I didn't know that was in the Bible. But once you know it's there, then you have a responsibility to react to it. Amen. Amen. And I mentioned this morning that many, many people have been abused, have been molested, have been raped, have been taken advantage of. And most of the time, 95% of the time, it's when we're young. Young people, young kids, who their lives have been turned upside down by somebody taking advantage of them. And if you think that's new, I read this morning in Leviticus that he spent 12 verses talking about incest. 12 verses. That it was there, it was evident, it was happening. And people were being perverted to be doing not only things out of the marriage bed, but things with family members. Things with children. Things with animals. I mean, crazy stuff. And that's all in the Bible, but I'm not going back to that tonight again. But I want to show you that the world is a sick world. It's a perverse world. And listen, you can only take advantage tonight of what you have in your hands today moving forward. And I want to get into this tonight to show why, why it's so important that I take my body and I offer it as a sacrifice to God. And how serious, write that down in your notes, serious sexual sin is. It's serious. And it's a heavy message to talk about. And, and a lot of times the church doesn't want to deal with it because it's really not popular. It's really not something that, that gets people real excited because every one of us have been made to be a part of that, but in a God way. Okay, in a God way, not in the way we do it. And media, the reason I said this morning that I would only say this generation would be worse is because of the media. That they, they, they weren't going, you know, this, this has always existed, but back in the Bible days as they walked in, around everywhere or were on camels or horses, they didn't see billboards up on the, on the air with naked people on them. 
They didn't have a cell phone to look at with pictures coming through. They didn't have a TV set to look at with every commercial, even if you're trying to watch something good, with commercials bombarding you with sex, 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 naked, perversion, all these things, homosexuality, every show that exists today now. I don't watch any of them, but I know it's the truth, has some kind of push on that agenda. And so you're saturated with magazines, and now it's in school. Now they're teaching these things and they're saying now there's got to be a bathroom for this and a bathroom for that. And it's, it's gone haywire. And, you, and the media is pushing it. And it's, it's, it's bad for us to say this is what God says, but the world can tell us what they say is, it is. Why is it bad for, the, for them, for us and not for them? How come we can't say no? God said in his word, this is what this, the situation is in, 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 when it comes to relationships. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 6. And uh, for those that weren't here tonight, um, hopefully you can listen to the message this morning and get some other things. I did mention this morning, I don't want to go into it for time tonight, uh, it's a good amount of time on what Jesus talked about on the subject. So if you were in nursery or somewhere else, get some notes from somebody. And I mentioned very clearly that Jesus was very clear in the scriptures on this situation. But let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and let's look at how serious God takes this. Say amen if you're there. I guess I ought to get there. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Now watch what he begins to say here in the book of 1 Corinthians. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Now watch this. And such were some of you. Can you say amen? amen. That's what's so awesome about the Bible. And such were some of you. But were needs to be the key word. Were. Not and such so are some of you still. He said and such were some of you. Meaning you have been delivered from that. I love that he says that, hey, that some of us have been, man, if, if this was for a perfect people, none of us would be here. Thank God for his grace and his mercy. But he says, as such as some of you were. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God. Now watch these next verses here. That's 9 to 11. Look at verse 15. And this is why I want to show you tonight through some very clear scriptures that this is sin against the Holy Spirit. Okay, anything, right before we read 15, we'll meet, let me just make sure everybody's on the same page. Anything, say anything, anything. say it again, anything, anything that is done with this body or with these eyes outside of marriage between a man and a woman is S-I-I. In. It's simple. I'm trying to make it as simple as possible because what we do as believers, Christians and human beings is we like to hang around the gray area. And we like to try to be right, but get as close to wrong as we can. So we say, well, I'm not doing this, but I, I, I'm OK to do this. And I'm not really doing that, but I'm doing this. And so we try to get the gray areas. There's no gray areas. 
And, and if you don't understand that, then, then you can go back and read later Matthew 19 and Matthew 5 when Jesus talked about those things. And he broke it down for those people who try to make it, well, you know, I'm not doing this, I'm doing that. He broke it down. It's a heart issue. And you can lust in your, in your heart with somebody without even touching them. Okay? And so, so God is making this very simple and very clear that anything done sexually with your eyes or with this body outside of marriage with a man and a woman together is sin. Amen. I mean, that's a pretty clear yes. definition. And if you don't believe it, go look at Leviticus 18 again, look at Matthew 19, look at Matthew 5, and look at his definition of those things. But watch this, verse 15, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? So watch what he says here, my body's a member of Christ, shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? Serious scripture here. Shall I take this body and mix it with sinful things? Certainly not, he says, with exclamation point in verse 15. Then he says, or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? For the two, this is what, this, watch this, for the two, this is Genesis 2 and Jesus' definition of marriage. The two, he says, shall become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. That's why today it is so important we understand that when I mix, and if I've mixed, it's forgiven. Again, I'm going to have to hit that again. If it's gone in the past, it's under the blood, you can't fix that. But going forward, if I mix this body with another person's body, I'm doing something that is a sin against Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And it's a serious sin. It's not just a little lie. It's not just a little get angry. It's serious. And let me show you why. Look what this, I'm not making this up. I'm showing you in the scriptures. Look at 18. Flee sexual immorality. Flee. Run. Evade it. Get away from it. Watch this. Because every sin that a man does is outside the body. But... He who commits sexual immorality, watch this, sins against his own body. When you are, when you are involving sexual things in your life and your body, you are not doing it just under your, under something to outside. It's not like smoking a cigarette or taking a drink. You are doing something that is against the very temple of your Holy Spirit. It is against the very thing God made this thing for. He made your, your body for one other person in life. Period. Period. One other person. Period. Not two, not three, not five, not the TV, not the internet. You and one other person in intimacy, and it's a God thing. And God made it special. Listen, this is not a thing that should take away from you that are young, looking forward to someday having a husband or wife and being married, because it's a God thing. It's a wonderful thing, but it's only wonderful when it's done in His way. God's way. Amen. When it's done outside of that, it's perverted. And it's the worst thing you can possibly do because he says you're sinning against your body. Look at 19. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? 
whom you have from God, and you are not your own, for you are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Amen? Really clear scriptures. So you might be here and you might be saying, okay, I'm still a virgin. Are your eyes virgins? There's many things, and I was very honest this morning and very frank that I made a lot of mistakes. A lot of mistakes before I got married. I lived a very bad high school years. I'm, I'm not going to get too uh, vivid on that, but I can just tell you that I was not a, a good, I did not listen to this very well. And I'm telling you tonight, it's bad. And when you allow things as a young person, young people that are here, whether you're 10 or 15 or 20, 25, you're still single, or 30 or 35 or 40, you're still single, you're not married yet, or you've been married or whatever, you have got to guard this area with your life. You've got to guard it with your life. It's serious business. Because what you allow to come in, that one moment that you say, well, this isn't that big of a deal, is a door. And you have to understand, as we know really well, the devil's not playing games. He's never coming in to sit down and drink coffee with you and have a conversation. He's looking for a door to destroy you. And if, if that's not the case, why does the devil do what he does? Because today we have... I said it this morning, and I'll say it again. The greatest empire in the world today, financially, is the pornography business. It's a billion, billion, billion dollar business. Why? Because the devil knows he can use that situation against people, and he can use the perversion on what they see or what they look at to get a hold of people's lives. Amen? And if he gets in that door, and he walks through that door, he says, hey, if I just get in a little bit, listen, I'm not only going to affect today, I can affect tomorrow. When you are waiting for someone to have a relationship in marriage with, you, every, watch this, everything you do, young people watch this, especially single, everything you do with your eyes or your body, you are affecting your future mate. Everything you do. Everything you, you do, you are bringing into that marriage. And you're going to affect that person. God intended that when people came together in marriage and they came together to consummate together, that they would not have all this garbage and baggage there. And they would not have been experienced. And they would not have tried things. And they would not have seen things. And they would have the opportunity, as I said, to get practice together and learn together. Today, this society will tell you, you can't get married to someone if you haven't been in bed with them. You got to figure out, you know, if you're all compatible. That's what the world will tell you today. God will make that compatible. Amen. When it's done right. Don't listen to any counsel outside of God's word because it's perverted. And he'll twist it and he'll change it and he'll mess it up and he'll put things in your mind and in your head. And I said this morning, it, you're, you're, because it says you become one flesh, you're bringing soul ties into your life that you're going to carry in to other people. And so one day when you eventually do have the wedding vow and you get that wedding night and you, you go to have what God intended for one man and one woman together, you got a whole lot of people in that bed with you. 
that's meant to be for one man and one woman. All of a sudden, there's a whole lot of people in the room. All kinds of thoughts, all kinds of memories, all kinds of things because you've opened doors and let things come in. You've watched things. You've seen things. You've been allowed to have perversion come in. And now it's twisted for the rest of your marriage. It's messed up. It's, it's wrong because you've allowed doors to come in. So guard your eyes. Old-fashioned song, be careful little eyes what you see. Be careful little ears what you hear. Amen. Watch those things. Oh, that's so old-fashioned. Oh, I'm, and y'all know what you're talking about. Well, you just wait and see. Don't you learn from somebody else? Amen. So serious is this. Now, so serious is this. Watch that God even says, let's, let's go a couple chapters over. I'm going to close up with another verse here in a second. Go to 1 Corinthians 5. Where were we at? In uh, chapter 6. Go back a chapter to chapter 5. God takes this so serious. Now, this is talking about, what's interesting about this is all this talk that he's saying in the Bible is to the church. To the church. Not to the world, to the church. So there was problems with this in the church, as we know from the first story I told you. And so, it's so bad, watch this, that he starts off 1 Corinthians 5, we're going back a chapter, and he says, it is actually, verse 1, it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you. And watch this. And such sexual immorality as it's not even named among the Gentiles, meaning among the world. He's saying y'all doing it worse in the church than they are outside. And he says that a man has his father's wife. I didn't write this. I've always said, you don't need to read, go read some novel. Read the Bible and you get all the d- drama you want. Hey, you don't need to go read some novel. It's right there. It's crazy. But it's one of the things I appreciate about the Bible is it's real. It's not sugarcoated. It's real. And if we'll just read it as it is and take it as it is, it'll help us. So he says, I can't, he's saying, I can't believe this is being named among the church. And look what he says, go on to verse 9. So I, he says, so I wrote to you in my epistle not to keep company <clears throat> with sexually immoral people. Yet I certainly did not mean, now watch this, yet I certainly did not mean sexually immoral people of the world. He's not talking about the people at work. He says, or with the covetous or the extortioners or idolaters. He says, since then you would not need to go out of the world. You would need to go out of the world. He's saying, look, those people are going to be at work. You're going to run into them at your job. But you sure shouldn't have to deal with them at church. The person sitting next to you, the person, amen. He's saying, this shouldn't be happening. But watch what he says. Watch how serious he takes it. He says, but now I have written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother. That's why when I started off with a preacher, pastor, minister, singer, I did this. With anyone named a brother who is sexually immoral or covetous or an idolater or a reviler or a drunkard or an extortioner, not even to eat with such a person. He says, separate yourself. This is in the church. He says, for what have I to do with judging those who are also outside? Do you do you not judge those who are inside? But those who are outside, God judges. So he says, watch this. Therefore, put away from yourselves the evil person. He said, this, is, this was so serious back then 
They were having to put people out of the church. They're saying, look, you, and, and it wasn't that, oh, we found out you were doing something wrong. and Hey, you got to go. It was probably being dealt with. And they continued over and over and over and over again to do the same thing. And they had no repentance. How many know that the repentance in our hearts is the key to all this? That, I, that God shows me something I'm doing wrong. I say, God, I'm sorry. A, 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 a heart that says, God, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be wrong. Amen. I, I want to, I before I close tonight, go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. I was going to do this this morning and have a chance to, to get to it. How many know you should honor what's honorable and admire what's admirable? Amen. We, we have a couple in this church that I really, when it comes to this area, and it's not the only area, I really, really take my hat off to and respect. And that's Paul and Brenda. I know their story. And, and they did their, their story, and it's, everybody knows their story. They've both been married before. And they both had rough marriages. And when they got remarried, they obviously married each other. And this is their second marriage. But when they met, they courted each other. And they were friends. And they did things in public. And they were very straightforward with each other and said, we're not going to date. We're not going to be alone. And they did things right. Amen? And it's, it's very uh, admirable because when you have already been married... That's the whole nother subject, amen? And so to start over and do it right the second time, the correct way, shows me it can be done. Because one of the greatest things we do as human beings is we make excuses and say, you know what everybody's cop-out is? I'm just too weak. I'm just not strong enough. I just can't do that. That's a cop-out in all of us. And, and, and going back to that, and so if you ever have any questions on that, talk to them. They have an authority in that. They waited and they did it right after already being married. And so they have an authority in that area. And I respect them for that. And, and, and as you think about this, these situations with, with courting and marriage and, and different things like that, we see that the, the, the world is always throwing stuff into our mind and always trying to twist what we're supposed to be doing. And we've got to get back to what this says right here. Not anything else, but what this says right here. Amen. This and this alone. Not, what the, not even what the church world says. Because I don't think they're reading the same book we are. This garbage is being preached today and I mentioned this morning, and I'll say it again. I don't know, I, I believe, I trust Paul's sources. He told me that he has heard that the Southern Baptist Convention is talking about allowing same-sex marriages. They're, and so if you don't know anything about, as far as I've heard and known, they're pretty, uh, what's the word, conservative. So if they're moving in that direction, what's left? There'll be a time, there you go, there'll be a time, church, very soon when there'll be a remnant church who stands alone from everybody else and says, we still believe what the Bible says. And it hasn't changed. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Amen. And we'll just say, this is what the Bible says. Amen. But that's the day we're living in, where people just do whatever they want to do and Scriptures is real clear about it. 
Let me tell you something. When it comes to this subject, God's real clear. He's real clear. Let me, let me end with this. What does God expect of me then? What does he expect of me? I'm glad you asked. What are 1 Thessalonians? You know what God expects? He expects purity. I, I was so uh, touched by the, by the discipline of that man. 49 years old. And has never been on a date. And, and in this little part that I watched, that guy was like, besides the fact that he was almost making fun of him, he was trying to hook him up with somebody. Like, there's got to be something wrong with you, man. You don't want a girlfriend. And, he's, and he said, this generation has twisted and perverted what a relationship's supposed to be. And to see him stand alone on that subject, I don't know everything else about his life. He may have other issues. I don't know. But on that thing right there, he has a grip on something very important. And in a world of undisciplined lives, he was disciplined enough to say, I'm not going there. And he said, I, I don't, he says, if God brings me a wife, then someday I'll, I'll get married. But he says, I'm not looking. I'm trying to do God's work. And guess who else did that in the Bible? Paul. Now listen, that's not me. I love my wife. Amen. And all the men said, amen. You might be that man, that, that guy. You might be Paul, the apostle. You might be someone God has called to be set apart forever. Amen. That's, that's between you and God. But I'll tell you something. You can say no. You can be disciplined. You can say, I'm going to be set apart and I'm going to be holy in a perverse generation. Amen. And so he says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, look at this with me. Verse 1. Sorry, I didn't get there again. Except 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. <clears throat> You there? Let me make sure I wanted to read all these verses I wrote down. It seems like a lot. <laughs> uh, no, it was just supposed to be 11. I put one. It says typos. I just saved you 10 verses. You can read them later. 1 Thessalonians 3.11. Now may God our Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all, just as we do to you, so that he may, watch this, establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. So what's the key word there? That he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness. Holiness although this can be a part of it, is not what, whether or not you wear makeup or pants or dresses or your clothing. Holiness is an attitude. Holiness is a standard. Holiness is setting yourself apart. And let me read something on this, a, a little definition of holiness. Listen to what this says. Holiness is a holy disposition. Okay? A holy disposition or a personal conduct. Amen. A personal conduct. That means that my convictions are my convictions. And you, someone else around me may not have the same conviction, but that's my conviction. And I don't let somebody else waver or sway that. Amen. Amen. If this is wrong for me, it's wrong for me. 
and you need to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling and have a personal conduct of, of, of holiness. And then it goes on to say that he consecrates them, they consecrate themselves to God's service both in soul and body. Watch this, finding fulfillment. Oh, this is going to jack somebody up. Finding fulfillment in moral dedication. That's totally contrary to the world. The world finds fulfillment in things of the world. But he says a holy person finds fulfillment in a life committed to purity. It causes every component of our character to stand God's inspection and meet his approval. Let me read that part again. A holy life it causes every component of our character to stand God's inspection and meet his approval. One thing we've gotten away from in the church world today is the standard. The standard of right and holiness and purity. Amen? And it's no wonder because you have these pastors preaching the gospel and living in adultery. And, and, and it's not a big deal. They just ask for forgiveness and move on like nothing happened. There's consequences. There's no fear in the pulpit. How many know we need some fear in our lives? Holy fear. Oh, we're saved by grace. You need some fear in your life. Because God says here in this word, and I read it this morning in another verse, that those who practice these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. You cannot live in a sexually perverted way day after day and expect that trumpet to blow and you go with Jesus. You're staying here. Well, that's not very popular. But you better be glad you're in a place where the truth's being preached. Amen. Straightforward. You're not living right. You're not going. And I'm not saying that and I'm a better than you way. I'm telling you that I understand. I got to make, I got to live a holy life. Because he says, those that practice these things. So let me make it clear for you. Let me break it down to you. If you're in this place and you're living in fornication and Jesus, and you're living in that and you know it's wrong and you keep living in it and you keep doing it, you're not ready. Because you know it's wrong and you keep doing it. So you can't, you can't be here in a, in a relationship. And listen, this is the kind of stuff that sometimes makes people not want to come back to church. But I'm not going to get blamed for not telling you the truth. If you're in this place and you're living in an adulterous situation or you're living with somebody, shacking up, we call it, and Jesus blows that trumpet, you're staying here. Or you die. You can't go to heaven that way. You, can't, you cannot live a double standard life. I'm not talking about a mistake or a lie or the, the sins that we have every day in our life. I'm talking about living in sin. And that is not a popular conversation to talk about today, but it's God's word. It's the truth. So what does that mean? It means get out of that relationship. That means somehow, and I talked about it this morning, Jesus talked about it. That was in Matthew. He says, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. That means if you're with a boyfriend or girlfriend that can't keep their hand off you, cut it off. Amen. Stop being with that person because you're going to go to hell together. 
You can't, you can't live in sin like that. And listen, I, it's not something that's outside the church. It's in the church. God must be up there sometimes shaking his head. Well, we know he did. Why did I make these people? Amen? But we can be pure. We can be righteous. We can say, God, help me be, be right and pure. What does he expect? Holiness. Let's close with this. First Thessalonians 4. I hope some people are still listening to me. Finally, brethren, we urge and exhort you. Verse 1, chapter 4, 1 Thessalonians. In the Lord Jesus, that you should abound more and more, that just as you receive from us, you ought to walk and to please God. For you know what commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God. Watch this. Your sanctification. That you should abstain from sexual immorality. Isn't it interesting that he, that's the first thing he mentions? Must be a problem. That each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. Not in passion of lust. Like the Gentiles who do not know God. That no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this matter. Because the Lord is an avenger of all such. As we also forewarned you and testified. You all still reading with me? Verse 7. For God did not call to us to uncleanness, but in holiness. God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. Therefore, he who rejects this. Therefore, he who rejects this teaching, I'm throwing that word in, does not reject man, but God, who has also given us his Holy Spirit. Amen. Those are some serious, I told you this morning, it's a heavy day. But this kind of preaching heals people. This kind of preaching hits us between the eyes and says, listen, get out of that lifestyle. Get out of it. Stop, turn, change. Listen, I don't stand up here as a man who has it all together. I told you this morning, every day I fight the flesh. Every day. Every day I make a choice to be a godly man. Every day. And if you're sitting back there and saying, oh, you know, what's wrong with him? What's wrong with you? Amen. There's a reason why Paul said God died daily because the flesh is there every single day. Wanting me to lust, wanting me to do things, wanting me to watch things. Amen. But I choose. I choose to make my eyes sanctified. I choose to cut those things off around me. I choose to be different. God's looking for a church that would be different. Amen. And the good news is tonight as the musicians come, so I think I've given you all you can handle, is there's forgiveness. There's healing. There's cleansing. He said, as some of such as some of you were. As they're coming, I didn't finish the verses. I had a few more. Let me tell them to you so you can write them down for your notes. No, I did read it. I did read what I wanted to read. This is an area that, as we've read this tonight, I gave you a lot of verses. God sees very serious. So something he really loves, but he doesn't want it to be perverted. Anybody who's married can tell you how wonderful it is when it's in God. But if you're not married and you're doing something outside of that bubble of God's provision, you're never going to be fulfilled. Wouldn't it be sad tonight, just throw out a scenario, wouldn't it be sad to go to hell 
over an act of a few minutes of fulfillment. It won't be worth it. It won't be worth it. And I said this morning, I know a lot of people, who you are in that word is, has a lot to do with who you hung around with, who you, you allowed to let into your life when you were younger, things that were seen, things that were done, things that were done to you. I said this morning, man, I thank God for the healing. Some people were healed of some hurts this morning. And if you're here tonight, again, and you've been hurt by somebody, sexually, physically, there's healing. Sad, sad, sad that people have to have these things come upon them that they didn't ask for, but they're there. And you gotta deal with it. But you can help somebody else. Maybe you've done something to somebody. Maybe you have a lust problem. Maybe you have a pornography problem. Maybe you have whatever problem it is. You can say, God, tonight, I am hearing your word and I'm gonna cut this tonight, I'm done. From this day forward, I am done. You're gonna help me, God. How many know God will help you if you ask for it? I'm gonna stop today. I've failed, I've made mistakes, I've been weak, but I see in your word, God, you take this real seriously. I don't know, I don't know any other way to read it than the way it says. I can tell you this is a serious thing. When I got saved, it wasn't a problem to pick up a beer. and I, I didn't care about alcohol. Alcohol didn't bother me a bit. I was not having any temptations with drugs. But this area, that's where my weakness was. And I had to get delivered of that. And God saved me from that. He saved me from all those doors I opened up in my life. And society will teach you, oh, you be a man, be this, be that. And you got guys today that are not in God going out and taking their sons to places so they can experience it, paying for it. Tell them that's what makes you a man. I mean, it's a sick world. And you can't really do anything about the hand that was dealt to you. But you can do something now. You, could, you couldn't control when they were throwing it on you. You didn't know God. A lot, of, a lot of us brought a lot of baggage into our marriages. Because we didn't know any better. And now you're dealing with it. But there's, there's healing for that tonight.